Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to the show. Today we are continuing our discussion on fast versus slow fashion and if you haven't listened to last week's show I'd go back have a listen to that one first where we define what fast fashion is and what slow fashion is and I think today we're going to kick off by working out how how we know the difference how when we see something in a store do we know whether it is fast fashion or slow fashion have you got any ideas Beck? Yep. Um, last week I already mentioned one. So some brands are just renowned for fast fashion, and so you just automatically know the brands: H and M, so H H and M, Zara, Gap, those kinds of things. Uh, it's really obvious because they have a high turnover of collections, so they've got new stuff in all the time, and so that's a really big clue. And. If you if it's a store that you associate with getting really cheap items in the UK, I can think of Primark, um, maybe I'm trying to think of one in the US. JJ's in Australia. Yeah. Um, there's some online ones as well. I don't know if it's uh, Sheen or Shine, something sh- like that. Yeah, I always call it Sheen, but I don't know if I'm it, right. It may be. I, yeah, I don't know. Clearly yeah. I've got no idea. Um there's that other one in the UK that I was talking about last week. Um, people will know which one I'm talking about. They're the one that had the 33 cent dresses. They're clearly one of them as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole and, – and once you know, you know with that kind mm. of stuff. But there are, you know, there are so many brands out there. How do you, how do you figure out if they're fast fashion or not? One way to, to start with that is to have a look at the websites because a lot of – companies that are doing good things will list it on their website so they will list where their clothes are made Um, there's a website I've been on recently a brand that I was checking out and it actually lists the locations and the addresses of all their factories and has have photos Mm. as well Uh, so if they say nothing on their website about sustainability about um, their ethics their standards then I'd be a bit dubious. Yeah. And also, you know something is slow fashion when the person, the face behind the brand is the person that makes the clothes or makes the art or prints the fabric or, you know, tells the stories about how they, where they go to source their fabric. They talk about how they know the person that owns the factory and they've been to the factory and they inspected it and all of that kind of stuff. So all this transparency around where the stuff comes from Um, and the smaller they are the slower they will be in most cases Mm -hmm. so your one or two person team that are making things you can almost guarantee that that's slow fashion unless they've got like a drop what's that called what are those websites called drop a drop ship website which can be one person perpetuating the fast fashion industry but I think you know what I mean um with one person who sort of runs the the whole thing um if it's only a one person or two or three or ten person situation then you know they're going to be slow so if they're a massive company with stores everywhere they're going to be huge and they're most likely engaging in fast fashion if you like 
to know instantly and aren't a big researcher, <laughs> um, I've got an app for you and I've downloaded this and I love it. And now mm, I'm slightly good, obsessed with putting everything <laughs> in. It's called Good On You. And they have a website as well if you don't want to download the app. You can enter the brand and they've got a rating out of five. Um, so they give it a score, uh, how they're doing. So if you're looking um, at a brand that you want to go and shop at that store and you want to know, are they fast fashion? Are they slow? How are they going with their, um, you know, human welfare? How are they going with animal welfare? How are they going with environmental standards? You can enter that brand in and it will tell you all about it. It will tell you where they need to improve and where they're doing well. Or alternatively, if you're looking for a particular item, so say you need to replace your jeans, you can just enter the term denim into the search function and it will bring up the brands that are most ethical and you can search by region and stuff like that as well. So that app, good Mm -hmm. on you, and I'll put a link to the website um, in the show notes, is superb i don't know who designed it but i'm so happy they did (laughs) yeah it's great and one of the things that i've done in recent years is just gone with word of mouth and so there's a couple of trusted people i follow on instagram in the sustainable fashion and i just watch who they follow and watch who they talk about and i follow those people and that's how i've started to to get to know certain brands Uh, and uh, word of mouth as well so I think I mentioned at the start of the last episode that I bought one new item of clothing this year and that was a pair of pants and I bought a black pair of kind of tight pants. They weren't leggings, they were pants but they were fitted and I wore them to death. They were from a fast fashion brand. I think it would have been about five years ago and it would have only been about two years in and they started, (laughs) you know, I don't know if you've ever had this happen but when you've got um, an elasticated kind of stretchy fabric and then you wear them a little bit too much and if they're not really high quality, the elastic starts to poke out through the fabric and you can see like little spider legs sticking out through fabric. Have you ever had that? Yep. (laughs) Yeah, so that's what happened to these pants and I loved them and I continued to wear them even with like them falling apart and then I started thinking, okay, I'm going to replace these pants. And so last year I thought I'm going to replace those pants but what I want to do is on my new sustainable journey is I want to buy from a sustainable or slow fashion brand and so I started thinking about you know how to do that I started researching I found it really hard to find stores that's sustainable and ethical brands that were that had lots of basics and I found lots of them had like lots of them were you know bold prints or all linen or those kinds of things mm-hmm. or the basics were casual wear not workwear which is what I wanted and so I just asked I think I asked online and um, one of my best friends Justine she said oh I know a place and they're based in Melbourne and so she sent me the website and they're called ARC and I had a look at there and I was like, oh, perfect. They've got pants. But then I was like, but I want to try them on because I'm not, I looked at the price and they weren't like, they're not designer, designer, really expensive, but they were $180 for this basic pair of pants that I wanted. And so it's high up, you know, more than what I would normally spend. So the last pair I bought would have been at least half that. So I wanted to sort of, you know, um, think about when I was, what I was spending my money on. And, um, but then I discovered they have a store here in Adelaide. So I went in and tried them on and, and I bought them, but it did take me a long time 
to to research this and and I finally got there by just asking around and asking people other people and uh, Justine's a great resource for that as well she knows like a lot of sustainable brands so I often go to her first with all sorts of stuff relating to that kind of stuff but um yeah that worked out well so I ended up buying my arc pants and I made sure they fit I spent a lot of time in the fitting room because I wasn't going to be spending that much money and then walking out with something that didn't fit me and so yeah and they are exactly what I wanted and they fit beautifully and I (laughs) said to the woman in the in the um, store I said I want them to last me 10 years and she looked a little bit frightened (laughs) and I and then I was like come on you know and she said and she looked and she said well at least five I'll give you five and I went yeah I'll take five (laughs) but you know they'll they will last me but I've bought other pants that have been high quality and I remember having a discussion with Mick about this pair of pants that I bought for work and they were $140 which again Mick sort of doesn't like spending more than $20 on a pair of pants because he's cheap but he didn't really like the idea of, oh, God, that's expensive. But those pants I've had now for four years and they still look brand new. I, you ca- I can't fault them. Um, mm-hmm. And so I always I'm, – I'm really – I'm quite convinced that most of the time buying quality is worth it and they will last. So, yeah, so ask around. And don't – the other thing I would say – is don't fall for that little myth that just because it is expensive, it's good quality or yeah, it's slow that's fashion right, because there's plenty of brands that mm-hmm. are still fast fashion-ish in that they have less than ethical behaviours and they still just jack up the price. So because yeah, you're paying for the name, not the quality. Yeah, so the time. you just mm. have to be wary and, and actually do your research and – what I think is, you know, you don't walk out and buy a car without research. You don't go and buy a washing machine without research. Most people research before they walk into a hairdresser. Mm. They don't just walk off the street because the sign out the front looks good or it looks like it's super cheap. Most people will check with check someone, word of mouth, mm. that kind of thing. Um, and your clothes should be the same. So if you can just put one extra step between thinking about buying something and actually purchasing and that is spending a couple of minutes to figure out if they're good quality then mm. it should help you out and here comes my H&M rant so another thing to be wary of when you're doing your research um, Tara sort of mentioned looking at their websites and that they often talk about their if they have ethical or sustainable practices they'll often talk about them now that is good and they do do that but also be very careful because you can be greenwashed and H&M are a classic one for this and they're the they're a company that um, produces um, three billion garments a year uh, which is about 22 billion dollars in revenue and that includes four billion dollars of unsold clothes and that's as recently as a couple of years ago. It's probably worse now. The amount of unsold clothes from H&M actually is so large that it's been used for fuel at a Swedish power plant. And I can there'll be a link to that if you want to read up on that. Um, so they're one of the biggest polluters in their industry. However, they get a lot of attention in the media and they bang on a lot about their programs for recycling. And they talk about how great they are because of all of their recycling things. But if you think about it, if they didn't overproduce, 
they wouldn't have to have recycling programs. They wouldn't have to invest $100 million in a recycling program if they invested $100 million in more sustainable manufacturing and um, marketing and production um, habits and practices. And the, the CEO, like I read this article, and there's a guy who was their former CEO and he's, he's their chairman. He said, um, this is a quote, there is no question that we're producing more garments than people buy and people are buying more than they really need and the planet can't cope. Right, so he says that. There's no question that he admits that. Then he goes on to say, I think the solution is not to stop consuming but to preserve jobs. The solution is to consume more responsibly and to invest more resources in innovation that will allow us to be more sustainable. Now that is just ridiculous like it's just completely absolving themselves of any responsibility or any um any any responsibility that they have to the cause of the problem you know if they were actually not producing things that people more clothes than people buy and if people were not buying more than what they needed then they wouldn't have to invest all of this money in sustainability, which they then bang on about how it makes them a good company. So be really careful when you are researching that you don't let these companies greenwash you into thinking they're doing a good thing when really they're being quite hypocritical um, about their practices. So, yeah, I did warn you of a big H&M rant. There it is. Um, I'm going to just add a little mini rant on the top of that rant. And that is... There's plenty of companies out there too that will divert your attention from their lessons to assist. I'll say that again. There are plenty of companies out there that will divert your attention from their less than sustainable practices. So you will have companies Mm -hmm. that have highly unethical ways of manufacturing, be it uh, environmental pollution or um, child labor. And you go to their website and there's a, a whole bunch of images about them clothing orphans in Uganda mm. or building a well in Tanzania or, you know, whatever it is. And you think, oh, that's wonderful. Look, they're giving back. Okay, hang on. Like, just mm-hmm. pause. That's great. Where are the clothes coming from? Like, don't – it's, you know, clothing orphans in Uganda is way – more attractive to promote than saying we pay our people in Bangladesh a living wage. Like that doesn't get mm. a headline. That's mm. not um, marketable. No one's, mm. you know, people don't really care about reading that. That's not sexy. But saying mm. we're clothing orphans, yep, that's that's a headline grabber. So the problem is people and companies that are not doing the right thing will divert your attention and put some amazing headline in front of you showing how great they are. But like Beck said, they're not getting to the root cause. They're not solving the issue. They're just diverting your attention. So I think be wary. Yeah. And this is where um, the the apps like Good On You and other other, um, um, bodies that oversee or that um, watch and rate companies and are real watchdogs for them uh, are really good because they call them out on that stuff and you 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 can see everything uh, there's nothing that they that, that is hidden um, or nothing that is sort of behind something flashy and interesting so I think we've rammed enough <laughs> information 
down people's throats about fast fashion. I wonder fashion. if people know like what our stance is on fast fashion. <laughs> you think? Should we talk a bit more about it? So if you are still here, if you haven't switched off <laughs> um, and you think you would like to avoid fast fashion um, and just like Beck said, it's really, it's not a, it's not like flicking a switch. It's a journey and I hate the word journey because it's so overused but it is it's not something you change instantly but there are some steps you can start taking to avoid fast fashion so Beck, shall we run through a few of those uh yes so we've already talked a lot in the other episode about uh buying things at last and I think that is very true for this as well and so if you want to avoid fashion then you avoid buying cheap items frequently and you go for high quality items that are going to last you longer and avoid the trends which is what I mentioned sort of last week as well one thing that you can think about and I don't know if I'm just think about this you know in the last 10 years because I'm getting older but maybe young people would do this too find a style that works for you so like you said about avoiding following trends it's a bit old school but get your colors done like work Mm. out what colors and what cuts suit you like I know that there are some styles of skirt like a pencil skirt just does not work on my body so I will not I don't care if pencil skirts are in I'm not buying one because I know it's not for me so I think when you understand yourself what colours work, what styles suit you, and also what you feel good in, um, then trends can come and go and you can ignore them and Mm. be confident in knowing that, well, you know, pencil skirts are in, but that's not me. I'm not comfortable in them. I don't like the way they look on me. So I don't need to follow that trend. I have no interest. I know what works. So you can let them come and go without being tempted to, to jump in. But the problem is a lot of us don't understand what looks good on us and don't have a clear idea of even what we enjoy wearing and so we will pick and choose and grab at everything and try and find something that sticks absolutely that's one of the things that started me on the journey was seeing a stylist and I think I've talked about this in uh, other wardrobe episodes that we've done but uh, I learned I mean I, I kind of already knew what suited me I just sort of had a a gut feel of what I was most comfortable in Um, but the thing I learned the most from her was how to use color and that was really helpful and how to mix colors and and how to use color was really helpful because I was always terrified of of putting colors together I didn't know you know and if you know about color theory if you've ever done interior design or in fashion or fashion you will know what colors go with what but I had no idea so learning that was really helpful for me and I, I kind of know now what colors to put together and I'm not necessarily going to be trendy, but I'll, I'll be comfortable and I'll know that, you know, I feel, I feel like I'm reflecting my outsides reflect, my insides reflect on the outside um, fairly well. And I'm not sort of going to stand out looking like a a bit of an idiot. Um, But I think that I reckon using a stylist is one of those things that people see as a luxury because it's not cheap, but it actually will save you thousands of dollars over the next 20 years or however old you are it'll be it could be 50 years that it will save you thousands of dollars it will save you 
space. It'll save you stress. Um, it'll save you guilt. Um, it's going to be – it's a real investment, I think. I don't know. Do you – you're on with that as well? Well, I've never – I've had my colours done but by someone – who did it for a job who was just a friend of mine that did it for me for nothing. So I wouldn't even know what a st- I can appreciate what you're saying, but I don't what kind of investment is having a stylist. I'm guessing there's a a gradient you could just have a stylist yeah. tell you your colors or you could have someone actually go shopping with you. But what are you looking yeah, at? There's for- a scale. Mm. Um uh, I think if you oh gosh, I don't know. In America will be different to Australia as well. Uh, and to all the style any stylists that are listening to this i apologize but i think like to get your colors done and a style profile you might be looking at three to five hundred dollars something like that maybe um i've got a client that goes shopping with her stylist every six months and she says it just it saves her heaps of money because the stylist knows exactly where to go exactly what to buy what fits she just makes a beeline for all the right sections does the research beforehand they make sure that you know it's that my client likes it before they buy it but apart from that you know uh, most of the hard work is done and she said and then she only has to shop twice a year uh, it gets over and done with you know she's she's happy she's got the things that she needs um, she's been writing a list in the lead up to it and it all just works nicely for her that's more expensive because you're paying for their time but I reckon you could find someone to give you a style profile uh, and a color for under 500 bucks I reckon mm. I know there's even um, I've done uh, quizzes online. I think oh, yeah, I if it's right, I was going to say is it color wise? There's something like that where you can upload a photo, and there's three sections. You have to like click a section which um, of your photo, which is your general skin tone, and then one for your eye color, and then one for your hair color, uh, yeah. and it will give you a general you know, like palette. Um, yeah. summer palette or a warm autumn palette, yeah. whatever it is. I reckon there's a – I think in our one of our other wardrobe episodes, I reckon we talked about this and I reckon there might be a link. We'll, ha- we'll dig it up. I know there's a particularly good one that I that I use when I do my intentional wardrobe workshops that I recommend to people, so I'll throw that in the in the notes, show notes as well. But, yeah, you co- knowing your colours and also then once you know your colours – Reduce your palette a little bit as well. That's just a general advice because if you reduce your palette, you simplify your shopping a little bit as well. So don't buy everything that's on your palette. Pick out a few that all complement each other and then Mm. go from there. Um, One of the questions I've asked myself in trying to get more intentional wardrobe and slow my consumption down is um, asking myself if I had to design a uniform for myself because I don't Mm. work in a place that has a uniform Um, and I work from home, I kind of wanted to give myself a a general, it's not a rule, but something to reduce decision fatigue in the morning. Yeah. Uh, If I had to design myself a uniform, what would it be? (laughs) Mine's really easy. It's blue jeans and a white t-shirt. But (laughs) for me, it clarifies firstly what I love wearing, what I should Mm. have most of in my wardrobe, and then pretty much anything else that I buy has to either go with white t-shirts or blue jeans, you know, like pretty much Mm -hmm. because that's the bulk of my wardrobe. So it kind of, that question for me really narrowed things down. Yeah. Um, The other thing I think as well is have a look. And if you've got a pattern of purchasing decisions that you regret, try and identify that pattern 
before you go shopping because for me it's bold prints like I love them bold loud colorful I think they're gorgeous and then I wear them and I hate them (laughs) and for ages I continued to buy them thinking well this one might work and I really Mm. love the pattern but it's like looking at art and then hanging it in your house not everything works in the space you've got Mm. and not every thing that you can appreciate on other people will work on you so I think figuring out a few of those things can help you uh, stop the churn as well yeah yeah I agree with that one so yeah the the purchasing and regretting thing just take your take your lessons you know as you're going through this journey um, figure out those things that the things that you put on and then take off again before you leave the house those are the kinds of things that should probably go and not be purchased again uh, because there is something that you that attracts you to them but then when you're wearing them there's something that puts you off them and even if you can't identify it it, it should probably go if it's not actually getting getting worn. I stopped my regret purchasing of scarves recently because I would buy scarves and then and love them and then regret them. <laughs> and then I would buy another scarf and I would love it and then I would hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was I did the same as you and it's with scarves. I'm like, All right, that's it. I'm not buying scarves ever again. I'll, I've kept about three of them because basically just for cold necks more than anything else. But scarves make my head look small. I feel stupid. They get in my way and I don't like things on my throat. So I soon figured out, you know, scarves just need to go. You're the opposite. Mm. You love scarves. I love scarves. One thing I, I I would think of too, because this is just, I think this is me and this is my personality. If you decide that you want to buy more sustainable, more ethically sourced, you know, manufactured clothes, don't start buying new items to create this sustainable or slow wardrobe. Like don't, I would be tempted yeah, to go, go right, look, there's all this fast fashion in here. That's all going and I'm going to go and start buying sustainable. No, no, no. Mm. Like that kind of defeats the purpose. Exactly. The yeah. best way to be sustainable is to start by wearing what you already have until you mm. can't wear it anymore and then yeah. find a responsible way to let it go. And so even if what you own isn't ethically made, it's made, it's done, you've got it yep. in your wardrobe. So make the best use of what you already have before buying anything else. And then Mm -hmm. when you wear those items out and you will, because they're not made to last, then at the point of deciding you need to replace something at that point, think slower, better quality, more ethical, um, rather than feeling like you need (laughs) the Pinterest worthy ethical wardrobe immediately. Yeah. And it's tempting. It's like you look at some ethical producers that there's one, and again, I can't remember the name because I'm hopeless with names, but they produce these beautiful linen jumpsuits. And I'm like, I want one of those jumpsuits. And I have to stop myself from going, oh, I'm just going to go and buy a jumpsuit. It's okay. It's sustainable. You know, I don't need it. (laughs) I don't need it. So I'm not going to buy it. But when a few other things fall apart and I'm like, okay, I've got room in my wardrobe for a jumpsuit, then I'll be heading there. Um, Mm. But they're they're really really quite cool clothes but yeah it it is it is tempting to sort of because we often solve our emotional problems with shopping (laughs) if we're feeling guilty about our wardrobe and we want to be more sustainable we could solve that with shopping so don't it doesn't solve the problem and like Tara said it's better to just use everything that you've got uh, until it falls apart because that is slow fashion you might have bought fast fashion but you're engaging in slow fashion by using it um for as long as you possibly can and not 
throwing it away. Obviously, it's there's a few elements of it that are still fast fashiony. Like you still, when you wash them, they're still putting microplastics in the in the in the waters and all that kind of stuff. But even some slow fashion brands use synthetic fibers. The pants that I bought recently that I was talking about, they use synthetic um, because they're stretchy. And so, um, and I wanted stretchy, so I made that decision. Uh, and so it's sort of not perfect. But, you know, my criteria was that they, they were to last me a really long time and that I would only have one pair of pants like this and and that's the that's the idea. So, yeah, don't go shopping. Stop shopping. Mm-hmm. You stopping shopping is the first step to avoiding fast fashion. Mm. And like with a lot of the stuff we've talked about with wastage, the wastage happens at the point of pers- purchase. So mm. when you buy that item... The microplastics are there and whether you wash them into the system or you donate your item and someone else wears it and wash them into the system or you put that item in Mm. landfill, they all still exist. So you can't take back, you can't change the past. Mm. So you have to just accept what you've done and and learn from Mm. this and then make a better purchasing decision next time because it's, you know, none of us want regret. And the whole thing is... When you know better, you do better. And I guess that's one of one of the points I want to make as well. We've talked a lot about doing your research and educating yourself. There's a awesome um, group called Fashion Revolution, and they're an organisation that started um, after the Rana Plaza factory collapse, which Beck had mentioned, where um, over 1,100 garment workers died in Bangladesh. And this movement kind of came together to help the fashion industry move towards a place that values the environment and values people over profits they've got a saying um and it just it sticks because it's easy and it makes sense Mm. and ask yourself when you want to buy something or when you have something who made my clothes so it's that connection that we've talked about as well educate yourself about where your garments Mm. are coming from and if you've got something that's fast fashion recognize it and appreciate that so that next time when you go I need something who is going to make the clothes for me you can you can make some better decisions Hmm. yeah some decisions that go more towards your goal of of um of slower fashion Uh, another way to engage in slow fashion is to buy secondhand um I am not a fan of charity shops for clothes and not because I'm fussy about secondhand clothes. Like I'm quite happy to buy secondhand clothes. If someone went out and bought them for me, I would be more than happy. I just don't like shopping for them. I, I'm the kind of person who has an idea in their mind of what kind of clothing I want. So let's say I want to get, I have in my mind, I want a, a navy linen blazer. Now, if I could be guaranteed of being able to walk into a charity shop and find a blue linen blazer in my size within about two minutes I would absolutely do it (laughs) but I can't obviously because it's very unpredictable what's in charity stores and there are they're getting it's getting better and there's some online ones where you can search and all that so that's all great but I just don't like the whole browsing thing I don't know I just feel like I've got better things to do than to be browsing through a whole lot of stuff that doesn't fit me or whatever. And so um, one of the things that I struggle with is the second-hand buying, which is why I've gone with the more buying from a sustainable brand than, than second-hand. But my daughter loves 
charity shops, loves op shopping. She loves buying clothes secondhand. And, you know, she's got a, a friend who also does the same thing and they uh, she watches certain brands on Marketplace and when they pop up, you know, if it's something that she's been looking for, she will buy it. And um, Zoe got herself a, a really good quality, I think it's 100% cotton um, shirt from Trenary and I don't know if they're sustainable or not, but she got it secondhand for five bucks the other day and she loves it. She wears it all the time. And, you know, that means that she's using something that has already been produced, that she's not, um, for you know, Forcing, encouraging the production of extra and that this thing is going to get used and in and it's a really good quality and it will last her a really long time as well so um secondhand is a great way if it's your style of shopping as a great way to to have to be part of the slow fashion movement another thing i would recommend is that you find an area of your fashion purchasing to improve on because We've mentioned a whole lot of things. So, you know, the environmental cost, water issues, animal welfare, human welfare, that kind of thing. There's, it's overwhelming to try and find a brand that is brilliant in all those things. They yeah. exist, but they're harder to find. So maybe baby steps here. Just pick one area that is important to you and start with brands that are doing better at that one thing. So if you're an animal lover and you feel like it's easy for you to commit to buying brands that are cruelty free and, you know, advertise that they maintain good animal welfare practices, maybe go with that. Uh, If you're a nature lover, maybe you can start thinking about buying organic cottons that don't use harmful pesticides. Uh, If you're a marine lover, maybe you're trying to find fabrics that don't require excess irrigation or don't pollute microplastics, you know. So pick something that resonates with you. And I guess maybe that's a place to start because even a little bit better, you know, as long as it's in the right direction. Mm. um, And that's the and that this is the thing that I've been saying to my kids is you don't need to find perfect. You just need to find Mm. someone's doing better. Because, and my kids will say, like they say, when we first talked about giving up plastic straws, they were like, but it's one straw. I'm Mm. one person. It's one straw. And I said, yes. But if every person thinks like that, imagine what happens. And so it's not about you finding the perfect place to buy your denim jeans from. It's about finding a place that's doing better than the average Because as Mm. soon as we start to shift the momentum to reward the companies that are doing better, things will change. But at the moment, we all feel so powerless and we think we're just one consumer. But this is where the groundswell starts. Yep, totally agree. And then I guess when you're talking about that, I realise that's kind of what I did as well is that I didn't – I'm I'm only just starting with this and I – don't have a great deal of knowledge about the whole sustainable fashion industry and all of that kind of stuff. So what I did is I went for, um, I I kind of didn't think so much about the fabric. So really my fabric could have been sourced less than ethically. So I don't know that. But what I focused on was who made it, like was it made, and it was made in Australia. So I know if it's made in Australia, very, very high chances of at least moderately fair like wages and working conditions so I knew that that was sort of uh, something that was that was important to me and that I it wasn't 
encouraging the use of of child labor or or anything like that Mm. and so and i've kind of started in a completely different section and i've gone for less synthetic fabrics so i'm buying a lot more linen a lot more organic cotton and that's that's what's kind of sparked my interest to start with yeah but and that's the thing it doesn't it doesn't matter what it is as long as you start trying to buy better yeah there's no right or wrong. There's just helpful and unhelpful. Mm. Another thing I think you can do to improve your strength or your resilience or your resistance to fast fashion mm. um, and getting involved with that is identify where the pressures are coming from to update frequently to purchase fast fashion. Mm. Like, is it social media? Is it um, influencers that are coming, you know, via the internet? Is it advertising that you're exposed to? If if it's an area like that, turn it off or silence that noise somehow, either by unsubscribing, blocking. <laughs> you know, like we in our house, we mute the ads when they come on TV. Like we don't turn the – I don't stop watching TV, but I don't mm. want that stuff. I don't want the noise. So when mm. an ad comes on, I mute it. Even if I'm sitting there, I just – it's it's muted. If there, If it's emails, if there's – if you get the weekly or the monthly email – from even if it's a, a brand that is doing well um, on your radar in terms of ethics, uh, but they release clothes monthly and you get that email and it reminds you that there's new stuff out that you haven't looked at yet, maybe unsubscribe or maybe give yourself a break from them for six months or 12 months. Mm. And if it's people that are pushing you to, you know, keep up with the latest trends, then find some new friends because... <laughs> We don't want yeah. people like that around us. Or just tell them that you're you, you're doing you and they can do them and, you know, you don't want to hear any differently about it. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a good idea to find uh, find ways to set, set your environment up for success so that you can follow whatever values you are you're following. Um, because I think the we can make all of these effort, but if our environment doesn't change then when we're not going to change as, as rapidly as what we could. And so if we do have these um, influences on us, and when you talked about the, the monthly email and unsubscribing, I would say unsubscribe from everything because part of getting engaging in, in slow fashion is only buying things when you need them. And when you buy something because you've got an email, that's not needing them and what you can do is when you have a pair of jeans that falls apart and you need a new pair of jeans then you go onto their website and you search for the jeans you don't need them emailing you every month you know do you need jeans do you need jeans no do you need a jacket what about a jacket or how about a t-shirt it's like no i'm just gonna you shush over there and I'll come and talk to you when I'm ready. <laughs> I'll come and see you when I want to get my new jeans or when I've been standing in front of my wardrobe going, my gosh, I really need a plain white singlet. You know, then you can go, right, now I'm going to go searching for one, but not when they are bombarding you, telling you what to buy all the time. So just switch them off and buy when you need something, not when someone tells you what you should be buying. Mm. And like we've said, we need to shift the celebration. And this starts with us as well. Yeah. Um, instead of admiring things on people that are new or fashionable or trendy, try and put in some effort to admire something that people are still wearing, something they've had for ages. Because yeah. Re- if you recognize it and say, that's awesome, I recognize that jacket you've had forever, 
how do what how do you wash it? How do you take care of it for it to last that long? You know, start let's yeah. start kind of shifting the the discussion we're having with people and learn from each other how to make things last rather than rewarding each other for wearing something that's new but that yeah. is not ethical. Yeah. And I think with kids as well, we we can compliment them on those kinds of things instead of complimenting them, you know, instead of saying, you know, oh, that's a cool skirt, you could say that skirt really, I mean, this sounds like such a dorky mum thing to say, but that skirt's really you. You know, that that kind of compliment shifts things a little bit. Mm. You know, like I love that top, it just shouts you. And that top then it doesn't matter whether other people stop wearing it. If they feel like them in it, then they'll keep that top. You know, it's sort of that planting that seed of um, of you you look awesome because what you're wearing is very you. And so if it's very you, it's it's not going to change. Um, and then they, they don't need to all of a sudden hate it in a year's time or six months' time when no one else is wearing that shirt. Again, I've sort of said before with teenagers, you do have to treat carefully because fitting in is very important and, I I laugh at and Zoe and I do as well because Zoe's a bit more fringe, a fringy kind of girl. She's not the same as all the other girls her age. But when we're and and, and when I was a teenager, I was one of the girls who was the same as all the other girls. Uh, so she's different to me. But I look at some of the teenagers walking around in there. They're all clones of each other. You know, they're all the same. They've got the same hair. They've got the same clothes. They stand the same. Everything's the same. Same everything. Tan eyelashes whatever, nails, everything's the same. And it's easy to look at them and go, ha ha, look, they're all the same. But I know that I was exactly the same when I was a teenager. And so rather than mocking them for it, we should at least accept that that's their reality and that it's it's often good for them um, and it's good to feel the same as everybody else around you and it's part of being a teenager. And if you do have a different kid like I do who is a fringe dweller uh, as far as you know, fashion and, and appearance goes, then it's a bit easier for you. You don't have to sort of think about it. But, you know, being aware of that but also making sure that you do nurture their individuality wherever you can just so that they don't lose that little, that tiny little spark of individuality mm. while they're going through that teen, that teen period. Yeah, and what, look, the agreement I've kind of reached with my kids is if they find something that's trendy that they love, we will then look together and see if that we can find the same thing from a different company that's got better standards. I am. And if it's something that they are buying for themselves, because, you know, um, my kids will buy some of their clothing with their own money, then I said I will pay the difference in the cost to start with. Oh, yeah. And I yep. said, and maybe in time, then I'll pay 50% and you pay a little bit more. But it's that whole thing about showing them yeah. that that I'm also committed to them. You know, I don't want them to feel like yeah. um, they can't have, it's either all or nothing. It's like you can, we can yeah, make yeah. better choices and I will support you in that. You just have to be open to it. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Oh, it's a, you know, it's a process. I'm not sure how it yeah. will go. but um, it's, it's good. I, I like it. So there is so much more. We could do a 10-part series on this, but we won't. We will, we'll save yeah, you. Yeah, we'll let you off the hook now. <laughs> um, but there is a lot of places you can learn more. There's, I found this excellent podcast episode to understand the evolution of the fast fashion industry. It's on Innovation Hub. I'll put a link to that in my show notes. Beck, have you got some suggestions for other places we can learn more? 
There is a podcast by Australian Claire Press called Wardrobe Crisis, and that is quite good. That's very uh, fast slash slow fashion, <laughs> slow fashion focused. There's also I also follow Aja Barber um, on Patreon and Twitter and Instagram, and she talks a lot about slow fashion and fast fashion. She's quite controversial. She has very strong views, and she often. Um, She's often saying she's, she often talks about things that other people don't talk about. So I find her really educational as well. So her name is Aja Barber. So it's A J A Barber. Uh, so she's another good one. If you haven't already seen the doco on Netflix called True Cost, that's probably worth um, watching mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, the title says it all. Mm, that's it. So. I want to kind of tie this up in a neat bow because I feel like we've we've talked around Been in circles long. a bit. But <laughs> to to summarize, I think some of the most important things with fast and slow fashion is to know the difference between the two of them. Be aware, um, educate yourself about where your clothes come from, and ask questions do the research Mm. so you can answer that question who makes my clothes and decide what's important to you as well Mm. also wear what you have first I think we went over that quite a bit make Mm -hmm. sure you're using what you have and then when it comes time to buy buy less but buy better yep so thanks for listening to our rants um what's the saying thank you for attending my TED talk (laughs) We've had a little ranty things and uh, hopefully you've learned something and it's helped you make some decisions about what you would like to change, if anything, no pressure, but it might just sort of give you a little bit of an awareness of of what fast and slow fashion are and, and how you might um, make some decisions that are closer to your values than what you have in the past, just like Tara and I are now doing as well. And if you want to share any comments, any stories that you have, any great slow fashion brands that you want to share, please join us in our Facebook community group and we will see you again here next week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.